Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we are honored to have the Cuban ambassador, Alanis Torres. Alanis, how are you doing this afternoon? Well, fine, fine. Well, Thank look, you for having me. Well, let me tell you, um, when I heard <laughs> that you were coming to, uh, to Houston, I said, I've got to speak to her because I've covered Cuba before. I've had a lot of conversations here about Cuba. And I think the problem that we have is many people misunderstand all about Cuba. So what my first question to you is tell me a little bit about how was Cuba formed? How was formed? How did it come to be? The new Cuba. The new Cuba, where after 1959, we uh, got a revolution in Cuba that was uh, led by Fidel Castro, commander-in-chief Fidel Castro. And uh, it came to power after decades of uh, being a neo-colony under governments that didn't uh, took care of our people. And uh, Fidel and the, the revolutionary power uh, came with the program that was uh, in which the Cuban people, the Cuban men and the Cuban women were uh, the center of, uh, of everything. We had since then free education, free and universal education, free and universal health care. Uh, for example, my family was was not a wealthy family before the the, the revolution, and uh, we were able to go to the university to study free since kindergarten to PhD, and uh, it's the same with the, uh, the healthcare, and that is how you have the new Cuban, the new Cuban that is different, far different from the one from the one that we had before 1959. What was Batista, the part of the old Cuba, like? What was the, the uh, lifestyle of the average Cuban citizen? I'm not talking about the elite. I'm talking about the average Cuban citizens. What was their life like? It was difficult. It was difficult because they, they had a, I didn't, they didn't have a, a, health, a proper health care, the one that, they, that is needed for a human being. The same with education. Uh, you have people in the countryside that uh, depend of certain crops, for example, like sugar. And when the crops finished, they didn't have jobs. You have in the countryside many children that were unattended, talking about health care, that didn't go to school because they have to work since they were very little to help, uh, help their families uh, to live, to, to have money to, to, to eat. And everything changed. Now we have, uh, since then, we have uh, teachers, we have doctors, even in the more remote areas of our country, in the mountains. And uh, the situation was difficult for them. And that changed with the, with the revolution. Usually revolutions don't occur unless enough people are mad with their current government. Now, after the revolution occurred, it is understood that uh, Fidel Castro attempted to have relationships with both sides of the Cold War, if you will, both the American side and the, uh, the Russian side. Can you mention anything about that? Well, uh, there was a hostile uh, attitude towards Cuba since the beginning of the revolution from the U.S. government. Um, and it was not the same with the Soviet Union. 
And uh, since then, the situation with the U.S., the bilateral uh, relation and the bilateral uh, political situation has been difficult. Now, you have been embargoed. There, was an, there has been an embargo on Cuba for the la- for, since the inception of Cuba, since the beginning of Cuba. And m- many believe that that is the reason why the Cuban economy could never develop to the state that it would be otherwise. Uh, would you say that pretty much a boot was on your neck from the time you started as a country? That's right. That's right. Since February 1962, there has been a, you call it an embargo, we call it a blockade. It's the same. Uh, it is the most comprehensive and uh, long, talking about years, uh, sanction system that have exist against a country, the one that is against Cuba. And it has been difficult for our economy to develop uh, on those conditions. For example, we have not access to the main uh, financial institutions in the world that a normal country have access to, and that give access to, by the way, to credits to develop infrastructure, industries of any kind. We don't have that uh, privilege. We don't have, it's difficult for a normal company in a third country to uh, have uh, economic and trade relation with Cuba because we are a sanctioned country first. And uh, since 2021, a country that were re-included in the list of state-sponsored terrorism. So companies are afraid to be fined, at least ha- as uh, it has happened in the past, for having relation with Cuba, with Cuban counterparts in our, in, in our country. So it's difficult to develop in those conditions. Cuba cannot import anything that has more than 10% of U.S. components. So uh, that's the reason what, uh, from which we don't have planes, for example, because it, the, the, the U.S. components are high and so on. And it happens with machineries for our industries, and it happens with the rest of the, of the, the, the technologies, we could call it. You explained earlier that um, one of the reasons you don't have machinery is that that 10% rule, meaning if 10% of the components of any piece of equipment comes in there, those companies are liable to sanction. Does that not really say that even if a Norwegian company or a country, a company in Nigeria or Brazil, if any of them attempted to give you a machine, given that they may have a microprocessor that makes up 10%, you can't they won't sell you that equipment because, again, they are liable to sanction from the United States. That's right. They, they cannot do it. They so, cannot sell it to Cuba. So you're black. every country in the world is blackmailed from being able to do business with Cuba, even if they don't agree with the American policy. They are not allowed to sell anything that has more than 10% of U.S. Of US components. That's a tough role. Now, with all of those, because I've always been fascinated uh, with Cuba, uh, forgetting about ideology, forgetting about economic systems, etc., that a company under dire straits uh, had been able to send as many doctors around the world and educate a lot of doctors from around Central America 
had the Caribbean mm. free of charge. How can you do that? And why do you do that? You know, our uh, people, uh, are, we are educated since we are little in, with, uh, uh, with solidarity values. Solidarity is very important for Cuba. It's part of us. It's part of our culture. It's part of our mindset. And uh, we practice that with every country that is in need of any kind of, uh, like this one, of doctors, of medicine. And we have sent doctors to more than 100 countries that have asked Cuba for that help, that kind of help. We have done that. But at the same time, some countries need to have their own doctors. For uh, those who, uh, who uh, for example, in very underserved areas or underserved communities, don't have access. The, their population don't have access to doctors. I've never seen a doctor in their life. They have asked us to uh, uh, graduate doctors. And there's a Latin American School of Medicine in Cuba that have graduated for free thousands of doctors from Africa, from Latin America, from Asia, and more than 200 from the U.S. Young Americans that lived here in underserved communities had gone to Cuba, have become physicians for free, and have come back to the U.S., to serve most of them in their communities. And that is something that we do with proud to help the people of those countries. Now, a lot of people would listen to this interview and they're saying, there is this Cuban ambassador coming to America and she is going to tell you all the beautiful things about Cuba, but in reality, it is a darn communist country that's sending terrorists all over the world. First of all, I'm curious because if you're sanctioned as much as you're sanctioned and you don't have the resources for all these other things, where are you getting the resources to be terrorists? We are not terrorists. <laughs> we are a people, we are a country, and our people, we love peace. We are a country of peace. We are a country of solidarity. We are a welcoming country that even Americans, so, someone could, one could, uh, could think, I want an American. I won't go to Cuba because we, have, we, we, we don't have good relation with Cuba. Um, maybe I, I could be attacked or rejected or something. No, we are not raised. We haven't been raised hatred people. We are clear the difference between the relation between governments and the relation between people. We are a country of peace. We don't export terrorism. We send doctors to countries that are in need of health care, and they don't have enough manpower in, in, the health, in their health care system, and they ask us for help. For that, but they are our army, if, if you want to call it, is an army of white uh, uh, white red, coats. coats, the doctors' coats. coats. Well, uh, let, let me just say, I am 
I'm originally from Panama and, you know, my perspective is more of an international perspective. So I really don't generally fall for the propaganda, neither from the United States or from Cuba or from anywhere else. Uh, I simply concentrate on what the deeds are of any particular country and any country that I find is willing to give health care to or give uh, to educate people at a low cost or for free. I think it's good. I think uh, our country here, America, should kind of take note that the birth rate death in Cuba is actually less than it is here in the United States of America and that most people can get health care, something that we are still trying to get for a lot of our own people here in, in this country. Now, um, earlier on, I asked this question in a session that you had that I still want an answer for. I think I want a better answer for. And that was uh, when, after the revolution with Fidel Castro, it was demanded that reparations be paid to all businesses and people whose, whose property was nationalized, understood. And I understand that Cuba paid everyone except the United States because of certain reasons. Of course, I think black people in the United States are still trying to get their reparations as well, but that's another subject. Please tell me, why is it uh, that uh, Cuba, first of all, has not done that? Or why should they do that, given that most of that wasn't even purchased from Cubans? Well, after the, before the revolution, as I was explaining before, uh, most of the land, most of the, our main industries were in U.S. hand, uh, U.S. companies' uh, hands. And uh, after the revolution, we national, there was a process of nationalization. And uh, we had, as you were saying, properties also from other countries. Spain, Canada, France, Germany, Switzerland, and we compensate all of them during years. But most of the, I mean, the, 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 the main industries were in U.S. hands. So the value of that compensation was much, much bigger than, the, than those that I spoke before. And back then, the only thing that we expert was sugar. So the only thing that we had to pay to the U.S. was sugar. We used to have a quota that we export to the U.S., and the plan was to pay with that, to, those, uh, to compensate those companies. But then the U.S. government came and established the sanctions, cut the Cuban uh, sugar quota, and we, have, we didn't have a way to pay. For example, you could think, okay, but you have money in the bank, in the national bank. No, but it, Batista took that money when he left Cuba. So we didn't have how to pay. It was an, a new government with a country trying to survive. And then you have the main superpower, your main trade partner who sanctioned you. How were we going to pay? Now, you're sanctioned, I mean, you're sanctioned more so than China, Russia, or any other uh, country in the world, and then asked at the same time to compensate 
or provide reparation to those people's properties who were nationalized in a revolution. Am I correct? Yes. Um, going forward, because we want to be forward looking, what is your expectation uh, now that we have an ambassador here in the United States, you, uh, what is your expectation in creating a better relationship with the United States and having the United States citizens beyond the government understand the reality of what's happening in Cuba, both with sanctioning and with uh, actual relationships? Well, uh, our government has conveyed to the U.S. government our will to advance, to have better uh, bilateral relations. And the only condition that we put on the table is respect, which is a basic rule. Uh, respect to our sovereignty, respect to uh, our in and not interference in, sorry, in our uh, uh, domestic issues, which is a basic rule, and is uh, those are principles that are uh, in the UN uh, chart. We, as neighbors, we could have, we could be trading, we could be cooperating in uh, healthcare. Environment, we have common problems. We uh, share a sea border. For you, is south. For us, for us, is north. We uh, have issues of law enforcement, like human trafficking, like drugs, like uh, trafficking in persons. Those are issues that we have to address as neighbors, and to be cooperating all that in all that. But uh, the economic uh, and commercial trade is uh, an important issue because you are a superpower and we are on a small economy that, uh, is a, that wants to have a better relation with, with the U.S. But with the sanction, it's difficult to advance. It's very, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we have, a, you were uh, saying, a boot in our neck. Mm -hmm. It is like that. It is a boot in your neck. It's something that is trying to strangle day per day, and it's difficult to advance with those uh, conditions. But as I said, we are ready to do it, to advance with the U.S., to sit and talk about uh, any issue with that basic rule that I uh, said before. I purposefully did not ask anything about communism, capitalism, or any of the isms, and I'm not going to. And the reason I'm not going to touch those particular issues, because it means something to every particular different country. In fact, I can find some good and bad in every single system. But what I, I want to ask you is a, as the last questions, uh, are Cubans, Cubans happy? Well, uh, we are enduring difficult times in Cuba now because of the economic situation that we are going through. Uh, our government has the goal to to provide more for our people. Is uh, trying to do it under these uh, extreme and difficult conditions, and. Uh, when you have scarcities and all that, uh, 
is is difficult. You you were talking about happiness. Mm -hmm. We I'm happy because I know that uh, I have a government that cares about the people that has a plan to go forward that works every day to do it and uh, and I don't have to worry because my daughters go for free to the university I don't have to worry because if I get sick I can go to the to the hospital for free so those are needs basic needs needs that I have that we have covered but it's difficult as I said in the current condition that Cuba's, the Cuban, normal Cubans are enduring, uh, the daily life is difficult. But we know we are going to succeed. We, are, we know that it, it will take time, but we have plans uh, to do it. And uh, as I said, our government works 24 hours, 24 uh, uh, by 7 to, to achieve that. I said that was the last question, but I lied. There's one more question. <laughs> There's one more question. There's one more question. Yeah, you're journalist. I always trick you. Yeah. I always trick you. And, and, it, and but this one, this one here is a bit more serious. And I think uh, in as much as Americans are going to learn a lesson dependent on, dependent on who they elect in the next Congress or in the next uh, presidential election, I want to hear about one more thing about Cuba. Can somebody in Cuba go on the streets and say, I don't really like my government right now and not get killed Kill for this. I, I, no, no, it's not. I, I know it sounds funny, but people in America believe once you speak out against Fidel Castro, once you speak out against any of the Castros or anybody in your government, no. uh, are they going to be sanctioned, thrown in jail? And, and, no. and how, no, no. Why? Where, where did, is that coming from? I don't know. It's propaganda against Cuba. It's part of the uh, there's a campaign of misinformation about on Cuba, and anything that happened in Cuba that can be common in another part of the world in Cuba, it it might it, it is magnified uh, when it happened uh, in Cuba. We have law, we have rules that you, uh, I mean. You follow them, you, you don't go to, to jail. We complain every day about things that happen in the country in a positive way, I mean, in a constructive way, trying to, to find uh, solutions to that, and you don't go to jail uh, for that. Uh, I think it's part of the, of the misinformation that is against Cuba because you need a way to justify this uh, criminal this genocide that is the sanction system that is uh, preventing us for, for having a better life. Ambassador Lian Torres, thank you so kindly for the Thank interview. you so much for having me. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please 
join.